Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Welcome to episode 78 of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is Robert Barnes. Robert is an insurance and annuity specialist, and I reached out to him to ask him a few questions about annuities and the myths behind them. We hope you enjoy this show. And as you will note, he mentions a wine, I believe it's almond sparkling wine. Um, We will put some information about that wine in the show notes. Very unusual. And um, hopefully uh, you all can sit back, sip your favorite beverage and have a great week. You are listening to Wine and Dime, the podcast that combines two passions, wine and personal finance with your host, Amy Irvine. Amy is a certified financial planner and owner of Rooted Planning Group and author of Uncork Your Finances. You can learn more about Amy by heading over to the website, www.rootedpg.com. And now on to the show. Take it away, Amy. Hello, Wine and Dime listeners. Welcome to this edition with Rob Barnes from Integrated Insurance Consulting out of Illinois, uh, Orland Park. Illinois, actually. Um, Rob and I met because I attended a webinar that was hosted by NAPFA, which is an organization I belong to. And I was intrigued by his presentation, reached out to him, had a great couple of conversations and said, hey, why don't you come on the show? So uh, welcome, Rob. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Um, Good afternoon and uh, you're welcome. So you are, you have been running your company or in the, in the profession for, we were joking before we started going live for a, close to 30 years. And I usually, when I say something like that, I'm like years, right? So mm-hmm. just joking about it. And because when people ask me how long I've been a financial planner and I realized that it's been 25 years, I think, oh my gosh, that's like forever. <laughs> Feels like it sometimes, but so you have a great background and you've, you've, you know, the, the profession has definitely changed over the years considerably. Um, so I want to dig in and hear a little bit about Rob first, but as you know, and I, and I know that you're not necessarily a wine fan, but we do like to ask people if they have a favorite wine so that we can refer back to it or a favorite beverage, which I think is in your case, so that we can refer back to how that integrates and, and similarly, similarly, yeah, I can't even speak today, similarly reflects how a vineyard is formed. And I'll figure out how to speak in just a few moments. <laughs> so Amy, as we mentioned, I'm more of a whiskey and beer mm-hmm. guy wine guy. Um, so I have to tell you, probably my go-to drink is Maker's Mark. 
and um, I can do it over the rocks or with water or with pop, <laughs> and, um, uh, whatever flavor of the day. But I did in, um, in uh, recognition that this is wine uh, uh, conversation. I had sent you some stuff about an almond sparkling wine. That's mm-hmm. a, a unique wine. And, you know, since we've talked, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I had mentioned to you that I was first introduced to that wine from a uh, restaurant that's a wine restaurant. And I looked them up and they actually do have locations in Florida and the name's Cooper's mm. Hawk. So I've I don't been know. there. They're they're the ones. Now, I did tell you that I happened to check with my local liquor store and they had a a version of that almond sparkling wine that was about a third the (laughs) cost. For somebody that's a wine uh, rookie, if you will, I can't taste the difference. So, um, (laughs) no, I sent you that. I don't, it's J and J. And you have the labels if you care to show yep. your audience. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. I've actually been to Cooper's Hawk, though. It's in Tampa area, Tampa St. Pete area. Yep. And um, they have quite a unique selection that you can pick amongst. So next time I'm up there, I'm going to have to to give that a shot and say, I, I heard about it from somebody up in Illinois. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so to tell you a few things, I've just, um, I came straight out of college into the insurance business. I um, cut my teeth at Prudential and uh, work with a company, the New England, who ended up being absorbed within um, uh, metropolitan life at a point in time. And now they're called Bright House. And mm-hmm. anyway, um, after those two stints in uh, making my own clientele, I went into what you would term wholesaling, where I was a, a carrier representative, and it was my job to recruit advisors to work with our line of products and so forth. And from there, uh, we've been doing that for 20 plus years. As far as integrated insurance consulting goes, uh, we built it seven years ago to work with fee-only planners like yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, run into fee-only planners along the way, kind of had an aha moment of inspiration with one situation that uh, maybe we'll bore you another day with. But um, uh, we've been doing the same thing, just helping advisors serve their client protection needs is the quick part of it. And um from a personal standpoint, I celebrated two marks this year, uh, my 30 years of marriage to my bride, Rita. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. And my sweetie pie, Cassandra, turned 16 this year. Um, those are two milestones we hit a little bit earlier in the year. And other than that, we're just um, having fun and continue to grow our relationships with uh, fee-only planners as yourself. So what originally, you said 30 years ago, basically right out of college, what originally got you interested in insurance in general? um, I kind of just, I was torn between insurance and the investment world. And um, although I started before this, I think the first crash in 87 kind of convinced me that I was a lot better suited to protect people and, um, you know, push, pull and prod them to purchase insurance and have a safety net under them 
than I was coming and telling you we just lost 30% of your money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so somewhere along the way, I just uh, refined. Now, I had been securities licensed through the years and did sell some investments earlier on, but um, we've even uh, dropped our insurance or our securities stuff because we're insurance and protection only. Well, that makes it a lot easier for us to, um, you know, work with folks like you too, because there's not competition. Exactly. You know, there's there's nothing um, because we we our RIA is not. Um, it's not, we have a, a, a consulting license, but we don't have an agent's license. Mm -hmm. So when our clients need a particular protection product, we get to go to folks like you that can work with us very closely. And they're, we're all working for the same team, right? We're all, we're all working for the client and our interests are aligned with each other and not trying to compete against each other. So it works really well. And that, respect. And, you know, whenever I talk about <laughs> the, how our lives kind of are very much similar to a vineyard and there's lots of rows and there's lots of um, wire for the vines to grow on and the posts to support the strength of those vines and the soil is well fertilized. Um, there's there's always that piece of somebody's life I want to know about, like what formed your rose, what's influenced your soil, what's been your leaning post. So I'd love to hear as you both in childhood as well as in your adult life, what are some of those influences? Sure. Um, I can tell you... Um We've had some coaching programs in my life and, and uh, where we look back and have exercises such as this when you uh, were at that Y in the road and you could have went left, but you chose right, that kind of a thing. Um, I would tell you that there were, um, uh, I, I think I ended up in sales to start with because of my neighbor my next door neighbor um, was part of the American Cancer Society, and she used to pay me to go and collect for her. <laughs> um, so she looked good. And so the, the, um, the ability to not have the fear or to overcome the fear and do it anyway and knock on a stranger's door and say, hi, I'm Rob, and, you know, can you help us today? And um, so that's where... That's where it started on my end, I think, to, to say why I ended up in, in a sales or a consulting business to, to, to start with. I, I've gone back to that a few times uh, from my career. Mm -hmm. As far as the, you know, I can tell you that at Prudential, um, you know, some of the paths I took, I, I, I did not like some of the um, ethical violations that I saw around there is the way that I would say it. And I don't want to denigrate everybody because it certainly wasn't that, but it, it appeared that as some people believe, you know, they get the sales at all costs kind of thing was some of the mantra and they, they uh, looked away. And anyway, there was a defining moment when I was in somebody's home with a sales manager and um, I was kicking them under the table because um uh, that's just not 
it wasn't the truth is the bottom line. And um, I didn't uh, never wanted to make a sale at anybody's cost, if you will. I was either helping you or not. And that's, you know, it can, that's the mutually beneficial part. So we left from there. We started learning the business world and, um, you know, uh, actually uh, had a short stint at another place after um, Prudential, but uh, went into the wholesaling and, realize that it was um it was exciting working on other people's big cases i guess is the way to say it and um you know and i i came from uh, modest blue collar means and everything but um we have now a lot of uh, traction and tread under our tires of working with high net worth individuals uh mm-hmm. both business owners and and um, individuals if you will so uh that's the those are a couple of defining moments i would tell you and i you know, the one that I guess I'll bore you with on the IIC front was that, um, you know, back in, in, um, in 2011 or so, we saw the trend that agents were becoming advisors, advisors were becoming fiduciaries. And I actually mm-hmm. had the, this, the, the defining story that I said earlier, I'd tell you someday, here you go. Um, the, <laughs> the defining story essentially was I was working with this advisor and um, we were waiting to get an irrevocable trust done because there was going to be a purchase of some life insurance in there for estate liquidity and equalization for his client. And uh, he goes, you know, Rob, uh, next month we go fee only. And I go, what's that mean, Sam? <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm going to give up my insurance licenses and I won't, reli- I won't write insurance any further. And um uh, you know, we'll, uh, we're going to be a fee-only planning firm. And I just said, well, Sam, who's going to write this case for you? <laughs> um, and if you can't write it, we're, you know, we're, we're starting the, the uh, pre-screening and health and all that stuff. And uh, anyway, long story short, that ended up me being the agent on it. And again, I'd always been able to write on the application with things, but uh, for quite a while, I'd really been only... Uh, working with uh, licensed advisors up till that point. And so we uh, had a favorable moment there. We understood and we had ran into a few more fee-only advisors uh, shortly after in our normal um, uh, marketing uh, stuff that we did. And uh, we sat back and we said, you know what? Amy needs the same kind of help that a licensed advisor does. She needs mm-hmm. somebody who knows what they're doing, who can look at what they have and tell them if it's good, bad, and ugly. Uh, they need somebody who's part of a, a of a brokerage operation in insurance who can shop a lot of carriers and uh, mm-hmm. fight with the underwriter and all those other things. And so we... We stopped then and we built uh, integrated insurance consulting. And by building it, we built out a lot of processes and tools and resource pieces to help any advisor, whether they're licensed or not. Um, you know, I still am technically an employee of the brokerage insurance operation that we have. So you're really, uh, if, if you can relate to front office, back office stuff, uh, we're both here. And that's a unique niche that we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the decision to make the change, um, you had to change your business model, right? I mean, you had to... I had to invent everything, so to speak. Just what, what, what's our process and what, what tools do we offer? Why would you talk to me versus some already existing 
uh, NAPLA resource partners and such. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we continue to um, build things to help support you. Uh, most recently and um, uh, probably most excitedly is we've started writing things to help you educate your client about things. Mm-hmm. Because um, if you use some of the company brochures, they say a lot without saying anything because of the attorneys that they have there. And so uh, <laughs> we, we just, again, the inspiration driven by there's there's not a lot of good stuff out there that are, that you can sink your teeth in, if you will, and, and learn something better. And so we've, we've started writing client insights um, uh, to help support the effort. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk to you too is because that quote unquote fertilization, right? So that, you know, having those resources, one of the reasons why I dropped my agent license and went to a consultant only is because um, in some of the states that I work with, like New York, Florida, you know, um, uh, Nevada, um, they, Mexico, excuse me, they, um, they require that you have a consulting license if you give any advice on insurance at all. So even though I'm not selling it, you still have to have this consulting license. So I knew I was still going to consult on it. But the reason that I didn't want to write the stuff anymore is because in each of those states, um, for those that are listening that don't know this, each state is regulated for insurance purposes separately. So New York has its own regulations. Florida has its own regulations. New Mexico has its own regulations. So I was finding it challenging to know the required paperwork and regulations within each of the states around insurance. And New York especially is more one of the more challenging states. And I'm not saying that negatively. I'm just saying that that's the way it is. Um, very protective state. And so... I just said, you know, I'd rather give the general advice around insurance than try to keep on top of the paperwork that's required for it and the underwriting. Right. So that was great from a stand, and it allowed me to say, I'm, you know, I'm fee only, I'm not taking any commissions, that sort of thing. But it still created a problem for me because I do recommend, um, you know, insurance products when when needed. And one thing that one of the major reasons that I reached out to you was you had done a presentation around annuities. And annuities have a bad, bad rap, you know, that they've gotten... And some some are not great for some people. Like, don't sell somebody who's 40 years old, you know, an annuity that has a bunch of living riders that are only good for 10 years, right? I mean, that's not necessarily a good product that doesn't make them for that person. That doesn't make them a bad product. It just isn't the right product for that person. And they've gotten this really bad rap. And you had done a webinar around annuities that talked about the right use of them, the proper use of them. And I thought, oh, more people need to understand that annuities are not always a bad thing they're sometimes a really good thing, especially some of the, um, in my opinion, some of the fixed annuities. Sure. Excuse me. Some of the immediate annuities. So, you know, somebody, somebody doesn't have a pension. We're trying to create this pension. There's these products out there that do that. Um, so that, sorry, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but that takes me back to the comment that you made about doing a lot of 
product education mm-hmm. um, out to the advisor so that we can then take that out to our clients. Um, what are you seeing from that perspective that's coming back to help planners be better at their jobs? Um, well, it's really just trying to separate out the bad product and bad people from the good stuff and say that, you know, an annuity is somewhat agnostic. It's just a tool and it either fits your client's situation or should be discussed as a potential solution or not. And so mm-hmm. at the heart of an annuity, um, you know, there are um, people all over the place. Uh, there's a, um, a certain guy who uh, hates annuities and thinks everybody should too. And um, at least he admits, uh, as I covered in that presentation, at least he admits some of his biasness. Uh, on things. <laughs> um, when you look at, I believe the number one fear out there for most Americans is to run out of money. And mm-hmm. it's exactly the number one thing that an immediate annuity uh, addresses is income for the rest of your life. And so why this disconnect or fear uh, is there is, um, you know, uh, some of it is certainly rightfully so because there have been bad agents and continue to be bad agents. And there are some bad products and continue to be bad products. But uh, we can't uh, uh, say no to the whole industry, I don't believe. And we don't mm-hmm. know to looking at a tool if the tool does make sense for the client situation. So we, mm-hmm. we're slowly trying to um, get people to understand, hey, there are some good ones. Hey, the word is not evil and so forth. And, and with that, Amy, mm-hmm. I can tell you that you know, anybody that you ask about Social Security, whether they like it or not, and I, I, most people like it, and at the heart of it, Social Security is an annuity. It's an income for the rest of your life. In fact, it's an inflation-adjusting annuity, which is um, fewer people buy those and want to take the risks uh, of, of um, you know, living long enough to get their money back, uh, so to speak, or win the bet. But um, at the heart of a Social Security income, it is an annuity. You mentioned if you, people don't have a pension, a pension is another form of an annuity. And uh, you can make your own pension these days by having a lifetime income annuity. So when you're thinking about the different direction that you've taken the company, um, I know when, again, before we started actual recording, you um, you mentioned that you were actually going to be at the conference that I'm going to be at in October. And you were going to be doing um, some additional education for planners at that point in time. Um, what do you see... The what do you? I mean, I know this is asking you to put on your um, futuristic, you know, eyeballs and and think in the fort. But what do you see for the insurance profession in the future? Where do you see that going? Ooh, um, down the tubes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm I'm somewhat sincere. I, I think uh, personally, a lot of consolidation has to happen. Um, because there's too many companies with too many products and stuff. But the problem really is on the desire side of things. 
I've done what I've done to build out IIC and work with other planners out of necessity, uh, if you will, and opportunity, no doubt. But what I can tell you is that less people want to sell insurance and and even more Mm -hmm. don't know how to. And so that's not good for the industry. You know, I have a few gray hairs and been around a while. I have more <laughs> than a few gray hairs. You can't see me right now, but um, um, but uh, not totally gray yet. Um, anyway, I I, um, I have been trying to scale up, and in the last year and a half, I've been working with a, a couple of uh, junior people who ended up uh, mm. going somewhere else, and um, they. Like a lot of the world, they don't want to be an insurance person. They want to manage money and be more of a, a comprehensive planner. And, um, you know, I understand the value there in my world. Um, you know, we have to sell every year uh, and, and I make a percentage of that. And um, there's good and bad years along the way. You know, but every day the door is open to it is whatever you sell and uh, provide for yourself mm-hmm. is what you're going to do this year. There are some trail compensation along the way, but um, uh, that's this business. And, and um, I don't see, I, I have to tell people myself, if, if some younger person were coming into the business, I would probably rather want them to be mm-hmm. your business than my business. And, and that's a little sad to say, but it's, it's, it's for their best interest that um you, know, you become a more comprehensive planner, you manage assets, and then you know, leave the insurance sales to somebody else mm-hmm. if you don't choose to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, there are fee-based mm-hmm. um, firms that work with some of those. You know, one, of, one of the unintended byproducts of me building IIC was when I went back to the licensed advisors that I worked with and I told them, you know, hey, um, you're going to see emails from this company now, not my brokerage company. And um, uh, you know, we want you to know, and we're building things that'll help you too. And, uh, um, anyway, the long and short of it, um, there's a number of advisors that were selling insurance themselves to their clients. And when they knew that they could just hand it over to me and cut mm-hmm. out the stress of having to know that too, everything else they do. Um, we continue to have people come over mm-hmm. to the joint work model uh, within it. So that was a pleasant, uh, unintended byproduct, um, you know, to, to help people. And so we still hope to train and have some people in IIC to carry on. But uh, I have to tell you, I, I have a little bit less optimism than I did before after the last few years of trying to scale people up and still losing them and, uh, you know, to people like yourselves. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the profession will ever convert into other, like the way other countries have done it, like in Europe and in Australia, a lot of the insurance products are actually fee products now, you know, fee for service products, just like our Mm -hmm. services are. And I don't know if the U.S. will ever get there um, in our lifetime, but it, you know, what I always tell people is that, Um, you know, it's not one, how somebody gets compensated isn't so much the, the issue in our profession. It's disclosing how they get compensated, right? So if you get paid a commission and that's okay, cause that, you know, that's not a bad thing. And I, and I think there are some, um, fee only financial planners that have kind of said, well, if somebody gets paid 
um, a commission that equals a conflict of interest. And, um, I, you know, I just, I guess I want to clear the record for that and say, just because you as an insurance professional get paid based on a commission, that's not your fault. That's the way the, that's the way the products are set up. And, um, you know, I, I'm all, I'm all for full disclosure. I'm all for saying, just so you know, I'm recommending this product over this product. Um, I actually end up getting paid a little bit more on this product, but this is why it's still better for you. That's the piece that I think right. we're not maybe always good at sometimes, but that's what I think a lot of us are working to sort of clear up. And when we can work with partners like you to be able to say... We've had Rob run these numbers for us. Just so you know, we've made the recommendation in a particular direction, one over the other. If you happen to get compensated over one product, it's because we're making that recommendation. So it sort of takes, you know, that negative connotation out of the mix because we are the one making the recommendation and not, not you. And there's, um, you know, there's that does sort of remove that sort of conflict of interest that. Um, is perceived in our profession. So um, it, it makes it good. I think that's the benefit of the partnership in some respects is that it, um, the, the days where people would see somebody coming to their door, you know, trying to sell them an insurance product. And so they'd hide <laughs> has gone away. People generally are knocking on other people's doors anymore. <laughs> I would not want if, you know, again, I had only been working through advisors for, you know, 15 plus years uh, back uh, when we noticed the trend and I wasn't going anywhere. I certainly didn't want to go back to retail production, if you will, and have to find clients because I do believe in today's technological world and uh, those that are doing better have planners like you and stuff. So we that's why we built IIC to work with and become a NAPA resource partner. It was very clear that that was a good growth for us. And, and the type of people we are here matches extremely well with that kind of a thing. I, I can say the opposite that, you know, through the years, again, in working with licensed advisors, when I get a call and somebody calls and very early on, or one of the first things they ask me is how much are you going to pay me? You know, and, I, I know right now that, you know, we're probably not going to have a second conversation with this person. We don't think the right way, you know, but, you know, that said, I'll, I'll, I'll comment on all I ever control is that I wake up and go to work every day. Um, sometimes I, I might review three, four or five client situations for you. And there won't be any opportunities for me to do anything to make any money because I'm not selling anything. And then you have somebody who needs some extra term insurance and now I find the best form and I make some money. So people don't understand sales in that fashion either that it isn't just that one sale. It's that one sale that paid me for the five reviews I did and the time to do this. And, you know, so, so um, I, um, I, I will live by whatever compensation disclosure we need to do, but I can say that that, that one I fear a little bit more because a client who is the purchaser who looks at the percentage of whatever you might make in a commission, sometimes it's not logical to them 
that you make that. Again, you're getting overpaid there, perhaps you could look at it, um, but you're getting paid for all the time you spent without getting paid too, <laughs> um, because that's what we do. Well, and I think if they realize too, like it doesn't matter if it comes, like I could go to that same company. Let's say you were underwriting something for Prudential. Let's just use that company. And I'm not, this is not a, like I'm not promoting Prudential or demoting Prudential in this conversation. I'm just picking a bit well-known company. If they went directly to Prudential and had the product written, they're going to pay the same amount, right? So it's not like it gets discounted if you go direct to the company and say, write me this policy. They're just not paying it to somebody who did the legwork. So I think that that's important. When I talk to people about you know the different compensation models um, that different financial professionals get paid... And, and the reason that I wanted to do this podcast was because I thought it would be, I, th- I think it, it's educational in nature that people understand that just because we're going through a professional that has dedicated their career to this, it doesn't mean they're paying anymore. They would pay the same exact amount if they went directly to the company. So there's no savings there, but they're not going to get the guidance generally, at least not in my experience they're not going to get that guidance that this is a, a good pri- like you you could look at nationwide you could look at prudential you could look at AIG and they're all you know immediate annuity products and you could say well you want to go with nationwide because of blah 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 and then 3 months later we're looking at the same three companies and for this client the better answer is prudential and it just depends on what kind of specials they're offering and what's going on with the company at that point in time. And so I just, again, want to make sure people understand that that's one of the benefits of you being an independent as well. Sure. Um, I would go one further and tell you that um, one of the reasons why in the insurance world, commission versus fee only is a harder thing to do I see great value and I'm going to carve out life insurance, um, long-term care disability different than annuities. Mm-hmm. Annuities are more rate and value driven if, you know, as to what they are. Um, and there's not a lot of um, influence that I have over what your client gets, right? The product is the product. And if you're this old and you're annuitizing a chunk of money, you're going to get this amount of income from company A and that account from B. But, um, you know, with life insurance and the others that I mentioned, there's underwriting. And that's where things are certainly not the same. And so, um, we do see the value of me, so to speak, staying in touch with your client until they're ready to sign on the dotted line. Um, I can't tell you how many advisors themselves where it's no different. It's the cobbler's kid's shoes situation. I have to hound and check in with them and check back in with them and check back in with them to fill in that application and get it back to us so they can get some insurance protection. And so I think there's value from that angle that I'm always chasing people to see if they're ready now, if they're ready, you want to be persistent. You don't want to cross the pest line and nobody always tell, you know, nobody tells me exactly where their pest line is. (laughs) And 
and telling me nothing's the worst thing. I'd rather tell you, you know, don't be nice to me just because you want to be nice to me. Tell me you're not interested. That's really saving me time. But anyway, we still have to chase people. And I think the idea of me getting paid when I have a successful protection situation, I've instilled a safety net under your client now that they didn't have for the last five years, you know, and, um, it, you'd be amazed at some of uh, some people how much they need to be harassed, if you will. But uh, things that they know they're supposed to do, but you know, all in good time and so forth. So I, I don't want to um, scare people that way. But yeah, be yeah, be persistent in your world, right? Just hey, you need to be saving for retirement, Mister Jones. <laughs> you, know, you don't. Have, you're going to start. When are you going to start? And same thing. When are you going to get that protection instead of talk about it? So there's great value, I think. And, and if we look at the trends out there, there are some fee-only products and carriers and things in the marketplace, but um, I think they'll have more success in the annuity world than they will the life. In fact, you might be aware a major fee-only organization uh, that, that was writing life insurance just pulled out of the life insurance arena. They're still going to offer their annuities, but they're in no commission uh, situation. And... Um, uh, I was quite surprised by that, quite frankly. But it, it kind of shows it's not just the price, it's the underwriting uh, part of things that make, um, you know, I think out of um, annuities or life insurance, you might see commissions gone from annuities long before they are from life insurance for those reasons. Right, right. Yeah, well, I think that um, I think that a lot of companies are like Jackson National. I think is one that right now that says that you know that they have a fee only annuity product that they will work with you. And I I have asked them then how do you guys get paid? Mm-hmm. You know because I, they're not going to do it for free. Right. And I'm somewhat skeptical. And I'm not saying anything negative about Jackson National, but I still have yet at least to the ones that I've spoken to get a solid answer. And like I said, um, I don't think they're doing it out of the genuineness of their heart. They're not going to do it for free. So, so I, I am very cautious, um, and, and, you know, aware, uh, I'm glad companies are starting to think like that. And that's on the annuity side, as you mentioned, but I, I still am trying to, I'm still scratching my head a little bit, but, but how does it work? You know? Um, so I want to shift gears for just a few moments, if you don't mind, because I really, I, I'm, I valued this conversation so much. And I, I would love to know just a little bit about you on the personal side, because when we talk about people mm-hmm. and how they're defined, um, you know, when I, when you bring it back to wine, um, what's in the air around the vineyard, what's in the air when, you know, the grapes are developing, mm-hmm. um, what kind of moisture have they had, what kind of dry season have they had? So I'd love to know a little bit about you, um, as, you know, as a person, um, one of the questions I love to ask is as a kid, were you ever included in money conversations? No, not at all. Um, in fact, when I, when I started this business, I had to have a conversation, of course, with my parents and make sure they were protected. And um, uh, I was amazed at how um, we didn't really have a lot of protection before I came along in the business, if you will. And by then I'm grown and it didn't matter as much, but they needed some protection for each other. Um, again, I, I think I ended up in sales because of collecting for a charity. Um, I've mm, always yeah, right. the idea of being um, my own boss and 
uh, I'm, I've been essentially my own boss the whole time. As long as you, you know, put enough production in, the the management leaves you alone, and <laughs> you know, uh, you stay on the hero side of hero or bum uh, mantra, if you will. But um, personally, I just I, I love music. I love nature. I love travel. Um, I work hard. I play hard. Um, I um, you know. Uh, just enjoying being a dad. We um, only ended up with one kid, but um, we're trying really hard to have some more by the time we uh, <laughs> were able to have kids. And, uh, the, you know, this panned out to one and um, just uh, living the life, uh, trying to vacation uh, here and there and um, uh, have fun on the weekends. And, uh, and, you know, I really love what I do. Um, I, I have to tell you that I, I feed off of new and exciting and, and challenging things. And when people ask what I love the most about my job, it's that I'm always challenged. And I'm never bored. You know, I think mm. I were the guy on a, um, on a um, assembly line and I was there standing all day long doing the same thing rapid. I, I, I don't know that I could handle that. <laughs> it's just even, <laughs> even we're building IIC, we were, we're, we're licensed in many states now and have relationships all across the U.S. And with that comes the detriment that I'm not out in my car and going to see local advisors as much as I were. I'm, I'm stuck on the phone and in my office all the time. And some days I've just got to get out there and uh, bust up the, the monotony, if you will. So um, anyway, that's uh, I can answer more questions if you like. Well, so you mentioned you have a daughter. You said the, um, she's 16 now. Are you bringing those discussions into her life? Um, well, I need to share that my daughter happens to have Down syndrome. So there, there's a different level of what we're going to communicate for. Um, what we are trying to do is, um, you know, we, we waited long enough uh, to have kids, if you will. We're pretty sure we'll be gone before her. And so um, I serve on the board of a charity and um People actually think that's uh, because of my daughter, and, and it's actually not. Um, I I had a nephew. My sister had a son who happened to have Down syndrome. There's no hereditary thing. It's really just the luck of the draw here from the gene pool. And um, so I've been involved with this charity for a long time just because of him. And I get to carry on, um, you know, an homage to him and uh, pave the way for my daughter uh, with it. But as far as the, the financial conversations, um, we, you know, this uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks a long time ago. I can have all the life insurance in the world, but what if my wife and I are getting old and decrepit and need care and draining our assets? And so long-term care became important in our household uh, to sustain. And the only financial talks we really have with her is just that, you know, money doesn't... Uh, just appear when you want to go somewhere or do something like last night she had McDonald's on the brain and we just weren't we were cooking at home and <laughs> she didn't like that and um, but when we go to places we do try to have her pay with cash and counter change and stuff so she become a little bit self-sufficient but in my case we're going to need people to look after her and look after her money reality uh, of it and and that quite frankly um, uh, we're re trying to redo some of our living trust stuff. And um, I still, I have my brother-in-law and a bank because um, 
although I trust my brother-in-law, obviously not 100%. I want a fiduciary uh, bank trust department, too, to look over, but he'll know her better. And, um, you know, we have the problem of age difference, and we're trying to look at who's after him, and that's where I'm having real trouble right now. That's um, it's a, um, probably a topic for another whole discussion. But you, when you talk about the challenges of your planning, um, when you're dealing with a child whose brain functions differently but has longevity, mm-hmm. um, that that's a real planning challenge yep. um, and, and an emotional challenge too, but a real planning challenge. Um, when you're talking about the estate planning side, that's something that, um, you know, if, if people think it's difficult setting up their will or their trust or their power of attorneys or healthcare proxy, um, boy, try doing it when you have to make decisions that are beyond your lives for children that you have to protect. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's quite a, that's quite a vineyard that you're trying to, to, build the roots for strength. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. So we just like being a dad and hanging out and, um, you know, we uh, enjoy our times together and know that, you know, I'm a caregiver for the rest of my life already. Um, and, uh, you know, we embrace it. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's got its down points, but uh, it's got mm-hmm. a lot of good ones. So then I love to ask the question about, um, you know, advice that you'd, and I love to really ask this question to people that are in the profession in some way, shape or form, but, um, what kind of advice have you received that you thought was great advice? Now I always say this is advice for your vineyard. Like this is your life. It's not always great for everybody. Cause on the opposite side of that, what good advice quote unquote have you received that wasn't, wasn't the best for you? Hmm. Um, well, the, the good advice uh, a long time ago when I went over to the wholesaling, there was a um, manager that just, uh, you know, he was just a good guy and a forthright guy, a successful guy, all kinds of things and somebody who had, um, you know, charisma around him and so forth. And there was one thing when we, you know, had talked about the struggle of sales, if you will, and, um, he focused it uh, most correctly in that, look, the only thing I control is that I wake up and go to work today. <laughs> mm. I don't know if this customer or the next one or the one after that is going to be the one that buys and actually pays me. Um, but uh, I just go to work every day. And um, you try to get smarter, obviously, at it. And um, that has dispelled into a little acronym that I use about uh, CIAA, which stands for Control, Influence, Accept, or Abort. And it's a little checklist that I go through for making any kind of decision, whether it's work or personal. And, you know, do I control this? Well, if you do, you should and, and try to control it and, and do something about the situation you're uh, displeased with. If you can't control, the next question is, can I influence? You know, can I help somebody uh, see the value of owning insurance, if you will? Um, and um, if you can't control or or influence, you have to choose one of the others. Do I accept or abort this relationship? And, you know, so it's uh, that, that's that grew out of the just controlling that I go to work every day. Um, and, and that's because I've seen people come in this business and fail out. 
um, mm. that because they let the free time, uh, you know, on the golf course take over and they're, you know, <laughs> some people can sell on the golf course and everything. I'm just uh, not a golf course kind of guy. And um, so anyway, mm -hmm. I, I share that as some words of wisdom. As far as something that um, that uh, uh, was was um, bad advice, I actually um, I'll share this um, uh, uh, that uh, somebody that I was being counseled about religion uh, with at a point in time uh, used the phraseology that we use in. Um, financial planning, you know, fake it till you make it kind of a thing. And, and I, I didn't, I thought that was really bad advice uh, at the time, because uh, if somebody's all powerful, all knowing, then they're going to know if I'm faking things, aren't they? And it just didn't logic out for me. And so anyway, to answer your question, that's the first one that came up where I had some bad advice, but not necessarily, or, or not necessarily work oriented. Yeah. And I think that I, I appreciate you sharing that because I've never been one that's been able to do that. Um, I've always been one that whether it's career or personal, if I don't know the answer to something or I'm not, you know, I don't want, I never want to fake it. <laughs> and I'm not yeah. much of a poker player, so I couldn't yeah. anyways. But, <laughs> um, but I've never been a fan of that particular phrase anyway. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and you know, I, I can't believe that it's already been 45 minutes. It just seems like time has flown so much, but I do want to get in a few final, um, questions that I, I try to end the show with, cause it's always so intriguing to me how people define things differently. So I love to know what your definition of success is. Happiness. And just uh, and then you know you have to be happy in your skin. You have to be happy with your lot in life, your situation in life, and so forth. Um, you know, um, I uh, I almost shared this earlier, but I'll I'll share in my world too that my wife had a stroke a few years back, and uh, it was looking really grim uh, at the start. Um, a side thing, my, my neighbor saved her life, in my opinion, and uh, she had a miraculous recovery. And um, people who don't know her wouldn't know that she had one if I didn't tell you and so forth. But um, there are some still repercussions there. And so um, I've had a lot of people, I think you we've traded enough emails, you see that I, I don't answer every single email with this and, and I don't keep it as my salutation. I, I cross out my best regards and I say happy whatever day of the week it is. So today, happy Monday. And um, with my daughter, with my wife's situation, um, a lot of people have questioned how I can just be happy. I, look, I, I'm living what we were always taught to do. I woke up today. My daughter woke up today. My wife woke up today. My problems are, you know, the things that you'd call actual problems, they're minuscule to the big picture. We're all healthy today. We're all alive today. We get to see each other another day. And maybe it's the situation of almost losing her. Um, but I really do think that way. And um, I'm just happy to wake up and, and uh, uh, get to work. And, and it's not a BS little thing to put in my email. And so, so the, the part that I would tell you where it's, it's been contagious, 
um, is now I can think at least of a handful of advisors who do it back all the time now to me and hopefully there are other other relationships but um they'll they'll say it to me when they're sending stuff whatever day of the week it is and uh, just as recently as somebody who's in texas who emailed on friday it was a happy friday and then what she needed so um i hope that answers your question but go ahead if you have more no it's great no i i think that that's a wonderful um you know i what's intriguing to me about that that the answers that i get from that is it's hardly ever about their career or money or anything like that. It's, it's something totally unrelated and it's, it's, um, it's just wonderful to hear what people's definition of success is. And, you know, I think to your point, I have in my personal email, one of the, I have three quotes that I have in my personal email. One is um, no surprise, but it's life is short, drink the good wine first. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's more meaning behind that, right? It's about being happy. It's it's taking time to to enjoy the things around us. The second one is, I believe in angels, the kind that heaven sends. I'm surrounded by angels, but I call them my best friends. And when you talk about your neighbor being your wife's um, angel and saving her life, um, I was that that particular quote came into mind, and then. The final quote that I have in my email that I, I just, as I've sat and listened to you is be kinder than necessary for everyone you meet is fighting some kind of battle in their journey. And you and I have it exchanged a number of emails and we've talked on the phone a couple of different times and you've always seemed very upbeat and very understanding because people, what people don't know is I had to reschedule this twice because of family situations and you've, you know, and it's always been understanding, you know, and even today when we first started talking, you said, happy Monday. I'm like, happy Monday. Okay. Happy Monday. (laughs) If you approach Monday in a different way, you feel a different way about it. Um, And so you explaining that background really does um, accentuate how you look at life and how happiness is, is really a core to your success. So I think you know, I think we can all learn from that um, message. And then um, I would love to know, in addition to the definition of success being happiness, what is your, what, what recharges you? What feeds your soul? Because you've got a lot of things coming at you. What, how do you get there? Yeah, music. Um, music. Um, I, I think uh, uh, I shared uh, my uh, hobby with you <laughs> that I make <laughs> upstairs from vinyl records as uh, just interested in music of all things. But um, I just, um, I, music moves my soul and um, uh, it's time well spent. Uh, you know, again, I, I mentioned I'm not the golfer guy. I know that um, some people love to get out on a Friday, whatever, but mine is music and um, going to live music of any types. It can be the local little show. It can be the big name stuff. Uh, we do, uh, th- That's it uh, at the heart of it. And um, just uh, the love of my family uh, is the other thing that gets you through that, uh, you know, to... Um, you had me almost a little teary-eyed with your uh, uh, quotes and stuff of back to, you know, when I had to explain to my daughter about my wife's situation uh, when we were going to see her in the hospital, you know, some things challenge you in life. Uh, 
work at this stage. I, I'm challenged at work, but not in, uh, you know, that helps me stay lively and relevant. And as you, I, I always love to learn. I was going to mention that I have a little statue of uh, Wiley Coyote uh, on a school uh, reading a book and, uh, and it's got perpetual student on the back. And uh, so I'm always learning and I, you know, appreciate conversations like this. I don't think um, I, I love that you even get off course because we barely talked about annuities and that was your <laughs> But I have to listen to the podcast. And again, I, I like to, uh, I generally get to listen to stuff like that when I'm doing my bike riding or on the treadmill or something that, that I'll listen to that. It's either music or a podcast generally to, to always be dual tasking and learning something if I can. But uh, back to your question, music without a question uh, moves me the most. And um, uh, I aspire someday to write songs and um, more lyrics than not. Uh, I don't officially play anything. Um, I can toy around on a piano and um, I uh, have to rededicate myself to get back on track a little bit more from my life uh, disrupting that uh, goal of mine. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That life is disrupting your passion. <laughs> Rob, is there one final piece of advice that you would give to listeners? Uh, listen to more of Amy's podcasts. And, and <laughs> really, just you you get you get behind some people in a short while, and and um, I think people can learn from others if they, if they listen uh, well enough and take the time. And uh, I I don't have uh, I'm sincere about that, but but nothing more comes to mind. <laughs> Uh, give you any words of wisdom. I, I guess I would say to your advisors that listen to you, um, I'll share, I share the CIAA situation with you. Um, I have, I have a second side of that that's, uh, choose, implement action and abort, meaning that, you know, if you're, if you, if you went down a course and it's not working for you, you've got to recalibrate and don't be so easy that you chose the wrong thing, right? I didn't know when I was building IIC. I spent a lot of money up front with logos and designs and processes and things. I, I didn't know that it was for sure going to be a success, uh, if you will. And um, Certainly, we we do well and uh, continue to grow with it. But uh, So the other CIA, the choose and implement action or abort uh, and use those whenever you have decisions to make and particularly for your advisors, I was going to share the, I've only learned two things in this business all my life. <laughs> That's uh, 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 leave a situation better than I found it. And then tell them what they need, implement what they want and get a letter to cover your butt for the difference. So that's guiding. That's in your world as well as mine. And so back to annuities, if I could, look, if you come to me and you tell me you're worried about running out of money and I give you a tool that absolutely is the only tool in the world that guarantees you won't run out of uh, cash flow uh, and get a paycheck every month, if you will, and you don't want to use it, well, then uh, nothing I can do about that. <laughs> I'm showing you. I just have to document it. And it's a it's not my job to, you know, I got to try to stretch your perspective, make sure you answered confusions in that. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to use that, if, you're, if your advisor says they can out-invest the annuity, go for it then. 
they may and they may not. <laughs> and that's the thing with insurance that a lot of people are always going to do better, but they don't know that until they have hindsight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's the piece. Like in some cases, we've run those numbers and say, if the market does this, if you take withdrawals of this, you know, if, 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 then yes, yeah. the performance on your investments would outperform the annuity. But some people need that sense of security. They don't, they want the if removed. And of course, you know, we're always looking to, to offer that as an alternative to people and to, to say to them, you know, we also want to do it with a good, well-rated company because, um, you know, insurance companies are as guaranteed as the basis of their assets are available, right? Absolutely. So we, we always like to explain to people why somebody out there might have a better payout than another reputable company. And that might be because of the, the strength of the company and experience of the company. There are some out there that are selling annuities that scare me. And um, when I talk mm-hmm. with people in the back office and carrier reps or whatever, they want to, you know, hey, I'll show you why this is great. No, no, I won't use that. Mm-hmm. You can tell right, it. Right, right. But it starts with the company and, and here's why they have problems. I can explain it to them. And um, anyway, mm-hmm. um, we want to do what's best for your client. Well, we appreciate your time today, Rob. We have some materials that we're actually going to be um, linking out on our website, um, some information about you, as well as um, you know some of the educational materials that you've shared with me, which I so appreciate. Um, and if anybody is looking, what, I guess, what's the best way, um, if, if it's a financial planner, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Just uh, call us at 708-307-2577, or you can email at rob at, it's, it's rob at intinsconsulting.com. And, and if you're a NAPFA member, you can actually attend some of his upcoming education sessions because I know you mentioned there are six coming up, right? Yeah, well, actually, the the, the only one that's officially NAPFA sponsored, they're all CFPCEs, but during the month gotcha. of September, we're doing one every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central Time, uh, different topics throughout the month, and next week we're doing... Um, uh, disability. So you can certainly go to our website as well, which is intinsconsulting.com, or you can write it all out, <laughs> um, integratedinsurance.com, <laughs> where there are both ways. But um, appreciate uh, you mentioning those. And we will be at the NAPA uh, convention in the fall in my home uh, city of Chicago. But we look forward, we will be uh, on a breakout session there of a new presentation we've only delivered once before. And uh, um, we'll also have a booth there for advisors to stop by and say hi. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Rob. We appreciate your time. I know I kept you over, but it was great conversation. And we're so glad that you uh, were able to, to be on the show today. Thanks, Amy. You have a great day. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.